This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Once again, and welcome to another edition of Nitro Nights with Cy and Scottish Danny, looking back on WCW one show at a time, taking in every Nitro, Thunder, pay-per-view, uh, Clash of Champions, even though they don't really last that long from where we are going forwards, I guess. Just everything we can have a little look at and uh, taking the weird and wonderful world of WCW. With me, as always, is the always excellent, always entertaining, always well-informed Scottish Danny. How are we doing today, my friend? I'm doing really well, thank you, Si. Back for another week where we have a stupendous main event, don't we? Oh, stupendous. Funny you mentioned that. That, that word was literally forced down our throats, wasn't it, at uh, WrestleMania? Everything was stupendous. So, yeah, this is definitely a stupendous main event we have on this Nitro. We've got Sting versus Hogan. On three TV. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah, it is. It, the show comes from, I, I believe you pronounce it, Macon, Georgia. Apologies to anyone who lives in, in, in Macon if I got that wrong. But yeah, that's where the show is uh, being broadcast from. And the ratings, I suppose, this week show that Sting versus Hogan is potentially a, a, a draw. It's, it's bringing eyes to the product because Raw has a 2.3 rating whereas nitro wins this week with a 2.5 again very close but it tends to be in these early days of the monday night war that both of these shows are running you know two 2.5 2.6 2.8 and then back to a 2.2 and so on so around that area so it's going to be interesting keeping an eye on those figures as we progress danny i think yeah definitely i feel like this is like a make good from dovesw because last week's was a taped show so they thought 
oh, let's just chuck him a bone here. But, I mean, this was too much of a big bone. <laughs> right. I mean, speaking again of, of Monday Night Raw, uh, you were doing a little bit of digging to see what was on, just out of interest, what was on the other channel, weren't you? Yep. Um, so to counter this, um, since this was announced last week, Raw put on Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart in the main event. And it's the famous one where Shawn Michaels collapsed in the middle of the ring. And uh, they spent about 10 minutes uh, trying to wake him up or something like that. And yeah, um, so interesting week, to say the least. Yeah, selling the after effects of being beaten up by a load of Marines because Sean Michaels was just an absolute bell end around this time. <laughs> oh, silly, silly Sean. <laughs> As always, we have Eric Bischoff, Steve Mongo at Michael and Bobby Heenan in the commentary booth. We've had these now. Pretty much every Nitro all the way along, Danny. We're now into, what, we we on our 10th Nitro, 9th Nitro, potentially, of, of our watchback. How are you finding the combination of Bischoff, Mongo and Heenan? Is there plus points, bad points? What do you think? I'm enjoying the uh, the chemistry between all three of them, especially because you've got Eric Bischoff, who's the straight announcer. You've got Bobby Heenan, who's kind of comedy, but also heelish. And then you've got Mongo, who's kind of just there, but um, he's just <laughs> collecting a paycheck. <laughs> but um, no, it's actually really, it's refreshing as well. Um, and it's it's like the commentators have personalities, don't they? Unlike today. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. And I think that makes a big, big difference as well. I mean, McMahon and Jesse Ventura, I remember them as a commentary team and, and I enjoyed that. And obviously JR is my, my all-time favourite commentator because I grew up listening to him. He, he provided the soundtrack for my whole childhood, effectively. So him commenting on uh, AEW now is fantastic from the standpoint I'm watching it with my daughter. Tony Schiavone, I, even though he's very WCW, I still think of Tony Schiavone at SummerSlam 89 because that was the first video cassette tape I watched and Shivani and Ventura I thought was a great combo uh, but each of these guys were mentioning Bischoff obviously as you said uh, we get more Shivani later on we get Larry Zabisco as well and obviously Heyman did some commentary and all these different guys were mentioning now they all have a different sound a different character work whether they're playing it completely straight like Bischoff and JR or they are playing characters and playing it for the camera like a Heenan or a Heyman or a Cornette or whatever but each of them were were their own guy. They were unique. And I don't think you get that anymore. I think you're spot on, Danny. I mean, the call, the main guy calling the action, the play-by-play on WWE television, for example, they all sound the same. They've all got that Michael Cole replica voice, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're trained by Michael Cole um, since he's the head of the commentators in there. And um, it just shows, doesn't it? I mean, but even into the mid-2000s, commentators had their own characters. They had... JBL, they had Taz, they had Joey Styles, things like that. I mean, every commentator to me has to have a personality for you to get invested in him or her and get um, just believe what they say. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, well, we say believe what they say, and I do like Bischoff, but this is a bit nonsensical now. He describes this episode of Nitro, and these are direct quotes from the mouth of EZE, okay? He describes this episode of Nitro as the Super Bowl of wrestling, which is obviously a term used a great deal for WrestleManias and so on. And he then says, this is the biggest show ever. I put that into context, right? <laughs> this is 1995. So certain WrestleManias and so on haven't happened yet, but WrestleMania three has happened. WrestleMania one has happened for crying out loud. You just, Oh, just 
the biggest show ever. And then he got the audacity to open it with Scott Norton versus Shark. Come on, mate. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, and so begins the weeks and weeks and weeks of um hyping up with uh the this is the biggest thing ever to where to the point where tony giovanni still gets harassed on social media to this day <laughs> oh the greatest night the biggest night in this history of this great sport i think mean, it's one line that they drop in quite a few times isn't it uh this is being billed as a special rematch between scott norton and shark i mean I, I didn't want to watch the first one. I'm not really keen on watching a special rematch or a rematch, whether it's special or not, to be fair. But here it is. Shark jumps Norton during the entrance. We get a bear hug spot, which I'm not a fan of at all, as we mentioned on previous episodes. But that gets turned into a belly-to-belly suplex by Shark, and that was quite impressive. That, was, that I didn't mind. And then Norton power slams Shark, which again was quite impressive. But that's for the win. That's the end of the match. That's it. Done. In a minute and 40 seconds? I was shocked by that, but I kind of felt the body slam spot was um, because the crowd always will pop for a body slam spot. So when they introduced this as the biggest show ever, maybe they were paying homage to WrestleMania 3 since Hulk Hogan's under contract. Oh, see, I love the throwbacks and the levels and the links you're making there, Danny. I don't think their mind works as well as yours there, mate. <laughs> I don't think they've got that in their, in their mind at all. No, you're probably right. Yeah, it was just probably a simple slam. But yeah, under two minutes, uh, thankfully, and or mercifully, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. But it, I mean, it was nice to see the shark again. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not much there to discuss, is there? Uh, mean gene is then next up on our screens interviewing the the incredibly talented duo um, of kevin sullivan and jimmy hart hart tells sting that well sting is there as well apologies hart tells sting that he has been replaced by randy savage in hulk hogan's i suppose group circle of friends or whatever uh sting is sting endorsed hogan when hogan first came in but he's now switched. Hogan's now switched his attentions to Savage as his BFF, I suppose, for want of a better term. And that that's shown by the latest filmings of the TV show Baywatch, where Randy Savage was involved and Sting was not. You seen much of Baywatch, Danny? I was about to ask you the same thing. Um, I have seen this episode, I think, on a on YouTube years ago, but. Um... This was peak 1990s culture, wasn't it, Baywatch? Oh. Have you, sir? Yeah, yeah, mate. Growing up, you know, like I said, I've said this numerous times, we only had four channels. So Saturday afternoon telly, Saturday afternoon evening TV was was where it was at when you, were, when you weren't old enough to go out to the pubs, you know? So you sat in and you watched Saturday, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening telly. So you had WCW Worldwide, um, something like Catchphrase maybe, the A-Team would be on as well. And then getting later into the evening, you'd have Gladiators and Baywatch. Great stuff, mate. Loved it. I loved it mainly for Pamela Anderson, but that's a whole different story. I knew it wouldn't be for the Hoff, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, don't hustle the Hoff, all right? Um, (laughs) Yes, so Sting's obviously trying to, I suppose, get be-wooed or have his head turned by Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan here. It's, It's an interesting... I suppose an interesting segment. Again, it's it's furthering stories. It's a balancing storylines, isn't it? Putting that little question mark in your head. Where is Sting's allegiance? Luger has always been his friend. 
he yeah, backed Hogan. Where does he stand? Yeah, it really is. And it's like, it, it's, like you said earlier, it's kind of a letdown because things not on the Baywatch show. Um, it's kind of like, why is he part of this? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Disco Inferno arrives. Big favourite of the show, Disco, isn't he? We love this guy. Well, his music anyway. Disco Inferno arrives with his CD. And we said a couple of weeks ago, Danny, we were going to check that out. So I suppose we need to apologise to our Nitro Nights listeners because that's not happened. But we will do it in time for next week's episode covering the pay-per-view. What do you reckon, Danny? We'll try and track it down. Absolutely. I'm sure we can find it on Amazon or eBay somewhere. (laughs) If it exists. It may just be an absolute plug of nothing, you know, but... (laughs) Um, Eddie Guerrero enters and scares the Disco Inferno away. And this this version of Disco is cracking me up. He's wrestled a couple of matches. He's more predetermined about how his hair looks and dancing. And when he's there dancing away, displaying his CD and so on, any wrestler comes up behind him, he shits his pants and runs off. It's fantastic. It's great comic relief, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really makes me laugh. Uh, Eddie Guerrero is on his way to the ring then, and Ric Flair is his opponent, we're led to believe. However, it doesn't go down that way. Flair comes out in street clothes, but Brian Pillman, one of the four horsemen, is alongside him, and Pillman is in his ring gear. Flair says that you've made a mistake. Someone thought I would wrestle you. But kind of quite insulting to Eddie Guerrero, really, saying he's much below his level. Uh, we got Pillman versus Guerrero instead. And I'm not going to lie, when that swerve happened i was quite happy to be getting pillman versus guerrero what did you think of this one bud same here i mean uh I, there was part of me that think is rick flair injured at this point because he hasn't yeah, as much yeah he had a shoulder injury that he was trying to sort of work through i guess oh yeah that kind of makes sense then because like um he appeared and i was thinking oh is he gonna rest on the street clothes like he did at the pay-per-view but now when he was replaced <laughs> when he was replaced um yeah i also had the same feeling of you it was like yes and then it turned out to be an excellent match i wrote down um eddie girl gets to win with a crisp frog splash um what did yeah. you think of it i enjoyed it i enjoyed it it was good i mean like, ultimately pillman's great eddie guerrero is fantastic these guys are given i mean it's not a long time it's just over six minutes maybe six and a half minutes so it's not ages, but it's enough for a TV match, I guess, on a show as short as these nitros are. No, I enjoyed it, mate. I enjoyed it. It was there was some great action there, and it's worth. I, I'd advise people checking it out. It's a good enough match. It's definitely worth six and a half minutes of your life, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Then there's something about a close look at the savage arm injury, a tricep tear. What are your thoughts on this, Danny? I, it was weird, um, but. I mean, what what's going to happen? Like, it, it advances the story, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the Sullivan and everybody, the Dungeon of Demons, were working on his arm last week on Nitro, and they're trying to say that Savage is working with this this injury here. Whereas the dirt sheets at the time are reporting it's not an injury; he's not injured. That he's you know, it's not true, and so on. They're trying to just build heat for World War Three pay-per-view. But we will come to more about that next week because there's quite an interesting few moments about that during the pay-per-view as well and the dirt sheets and so on. But yes, I mean, <laughs> Savage is carrying this knock and uh, trying to work through it with World War Three literally just six days away. We then get a... I suppose for 95 WCW, this is a very old-school early 90s wwf match really 
this we, we have Road Warrior Hawk versus Big Bubba, who was basically the the big boss man. I was, I was shocked um, that this appeared on a card like this. <laughs> I thought they would have saved this for Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, they wrestled uh, a month ago with Rogers winning after Disco Inferno got it, got into you know, it got involved in the match and uh, Hawk ended up getting counted out. So this is, I suppose, the rematch from that. But this is just a standard, I suppose. For these two guys, just a just a big guy brawl, I assume. Uh, yeah. Big Bubba has a hidden weapon that's hinted at quite early on in the in the match. <sighs> Road Warrior Hawk misses a top rope splash at one stage, which leads to more brawling. Hawk's not selling masses, but then again, he's one of the Road Warriors. They never really did. Um, big Bubba tapes the weapon to his hand, and then he goes to hit the guy. And he, he's tripped over by Hacksaw Jim Duggan and falls onto his own hand where the weapon is taped and effectively punches his own face and knocks himself out. So Hawk then wins the match. That's either uh, genius or bizarre. I don't. I, I can't decide. <laughs> I think it lies in the middle because I once saw William Regal do this, this exact same finish. And um, I'm a big fan of it, but I mean, if you're trying to get away from the WWF 90s and going to WWE, it's kind of taking a step back, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, he's tripped by Hacksaw. Again, an early 90s WWF guy, you're right, Danny. And he falls onto his own hand where this weapon is and knocks himself out. It's just, again, you got to see it to believe it. It's a really, really strange finish. It is very, very odd. But then we come already... There's not much on this Nitro when you think about it, is there? We come again already to the main event of the show. I mean, this Nitro's 40-odd minutes long. We've had a few matches to discuss. And here we are, our main event already. It's quite quite spectacular, to be fair. Uh, we have Sting versus Hogan. Sting comes out in gold and red and yellow and looks amazing, doesn't he, Danny? Yes, he really does. Um, just before we get into this match, there was a rumour I'd heard about... I th- think on Bruce Pritchard's show where they was talking about um, if Sting replaced the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6 for the feud with Hulk Hogan, um, that would have been a lot better than of chucking it on a random Nitro, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, somebody had a story, like I think this was on Reddit, it was all coming together in my head. Uh, somebody had a whole storyline penned out where they Sting would have come in as a heel and... Um, as a like a ex bodybuilder who knew Hulk Hogan from years before and feuded with the face Hulk Hogan headed into WrestleMania six and then that's where Hulk Hogan would have turned heel and instead of wearing yellow and red he would have wore red and yellow. Um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> oh man, ulterior alter alternative timelines, I guess. Crazy stuff, mate, crazy stuff. What did you think of this match then, mate? Sting versus Hogan, given away on three television at the drop of a hat last week, right before the pay-per-view. And I suppose from that aspect, right before the pay-per-view, they're trying to get eyes on their products to advertise the pay-per-view. So that makes sense in a way. But, uh, you know, what did you think of this? I thought it was definitely lived up to the hype. Well, the very short hype, didn't it? I mean, I wrote down Sting absolutely had on his working boots for this night. Um, like you said, he looked fantastic on the entrance, uh, both of them given four entrances. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this match overall. What did you think, Sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I, I, I thought it was quite good. I thought it was, it was a good, again, I suppose, 
I don't want to say patronising because I've never been in the ring. I don't know what I want to wait. It's just the opinion of one fat dude Gloucester, isn't it? But to me, this is a good TV match. You know, this this wouldn't be the main event of a pay-per-view, this exact match, because to me, it's, it's it needs to be a bit more for that. But it's a good TV match for me, what they yeah. put on for us here. I mean, Hogan gets booed when his music hits, which is really interesting. You know, that that's really interesting to me at this point. Savage is out as well. Um, Hogan comes through the crowd and is booed even more, which again was because normally people come through the crowd, the crowd react positively because they're close to the, you know, but Hogan's getting even more boos here. The, the WSW fans are really doubling down on, on this Hogan hatred that seems to be bubbling away, especially when he's facing off against people like a flair or a sting who are traditionally more, I suppose, WCW linked, I guess. Definitely. Um, the uh, finish, I mean, you just kind of makes you just like, why do you hype for this? And then you give a, a DQ finish like that. It's kind of like, ah. Oh. Yeah, again, though, I suppose it's on TV and they, it keeps them both looking strong. Neither guy has to take the pin for going into the pay-per-view. But there was a few moments that I sort of thought, I don't quite understand that. Um, for example, Hogan, we just mentioned, comes through the crowd while Sting is distracted by the Macho Man and so on. Which again is quite a heelish thing to do, I guess. Sting, uh, sorry, Hogan gets in the ring. Sting is completely distracted. Rather than attack him, he just taps him on the shoulder and lets him turn around. And then they start the match. So it's like, why don't you just come out through the entrance ramp like normal? What was the point in all of that? I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, why? <laughs> just, just ridiculous. It's very, um, and again, it's a term we've used on the show quite often. It's very punchy, kicky for a while. Uh, Eric Bischoff explains wrestlers from other companies all over the world in World War Three match on the commentary. So that'll be interesting to see who we get in that 60-man battle royal. Remember that, Danny, for next week. Wrestlers from other companies all over the world will be in the World War Three match. Let's see what we get. Well, we won't be getting Shawn Michaels, will we? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He's poorly. He's had a bit of a low down on the ring on the other channel. Uh, Hogan, there are moments where he looks like he's wrestling in slow motion. You know, he's he's um, not even... Hogan's not naturally a quick guy anyway. I mean, Sting can up the pace. Sting can... You know, I suppose as well, he's on this this event we're looking at today. The big boss man is similar. He's a massive guy, but when he needs to, he can really up the pace of his work. Hogan doesn't tend to speed up much, but even here, by, by Hogan standards, this seems to be very, very slow, Danny. What, did you pick up on this? Yeah, it really did, didn't it? It was like um, maybe they kind of not, not kind of like a sandbagging type thing for because they were like, we're not giving, we're giving this away, but we're not really giving our full potential away. That's how I kind of the vibe I picked up on. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And I suppose you talk about a sort of sandbagging kind of effort, barring a bit of an offense at the start with a few, you know, like I said, the punchy, kicky stuff. Sting doesn't get a lot here, does he? You know, you, no. you think about the match and that whole, well, I suppose close to 10 minutes it was, maybe something like that. In my head, I remember it being close to 10 minutes. Sting doesn't get a lot in. Hogan applies a bear hug at one point and gets booed. Um, he gets booed again when he starts punching and kicking Sting after the, the bear hug is separated. Sting ends up working the leg a little bit and then eventually snaps on the Scorpion Deathlock, to which Hogan powers out of this. You know, it's one of the biggest baby faces in your company. 
Hogan's cutting him off at the knees here. Hogan powers out of his finisher and starts to hulk up. No selling the, the, the work on the leg and so on, which again is greeted by booze. And he's just not, he's just no selling the Scorpion and no selling Sting's offense again. It's quite, it's, it's quite disgusting, really. Yeah, I mean, all the hard work, especially this uh, promo Sting cut last week, um, kind of kind of went down the drain, didn't it, here? Mm. Yeah, eventually Hulk Hogan misses one of his uh, atomic leg drops, I guess the finisher's full name was, to win the match. He misses it. Sting snaps on another Scorpion, and he's in that move for a short period before the Dungeon of Bloody Doom runs in. Starts attacking everyone. We end up with with a no contest, etc., etc. Hogan is no selling the Scorpion again here, though. He's just been in the Scorpion. The Dungeon Doom have run in. He's jumped up and he's now just fighting off the Dungeon Doom. There's nothing wrong with him. It's like at least limp a bit, mate. Do you know what I mean? You're not helping. <laughs> you're not helping Sting out at all here, are you? Definitely not. I mean, he didn't when he had it on. It was like he just had the top of the. Uh the bottom of Hulk Hogan's knees up. He it, it, it didn't even have it on fully, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a burial of Sting, sadly, even that part. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Hogan, Sting and Savage eventually end up clearing house here, don't they? They they, they beat on the Dungeon of Doom and, and so on. And then we go to a break, which is a bit frustrating because we're right at the end of the show anyway. When we come back from the break, Kevin Sullivan is at the commentary desk roughing up Bobby Heenan for some reason shouting and rambling nonsense and eric bischoff effectively ends the broadcast by yelling about world war three being six days away so in a similar way i guess to halloween havoc and four brawl before it danny i'm going to pick your brains my friend we've had all the possible build-up we can have now to world war three which eric bischoff as he goes off the air is declaring is just six days away Barring the 60-man main event battle royal, tell me what's on the card. Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell you if I'm on this side. Nor me. Well, could you tell me? Nope. I can't tell you anything other than the battle royal, mate. They've done it again. They've just not promoted anything on this event at all, barring the one thing they are hoping is going to draw in the boys, which... I suppose if it works, genius, because you're not promising anything to, to over or under deliver on, I suppose. if it, But to me, it's like, I, I would want to be, oh, well, you've got, you're paying for this, but with this, you've got this spectacular match, this, this title's being defended, this guy's going to be there, you know, but they, it, we've got nothing. We're just told World War Three is a 60-man battle royal for the title. It's six days away. And that's that. That's the end of the show. And it just, again, it's like every time WCW do something positive, every time WCW do something, and I think to myself, oh, you can see where they're starting to turn the corner now and, and the good times are coming. They make such really simple, almost amateur-esque mistakes, don't they? They really do. Um, I mean, we'll get into it when we rate the show, but yeah, it was a big, it was a big um, mistake here. Mm, yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, okay then, so I suppose before we uh, depart, we better rate the episode, Danny, my friend. We'll go with our woos and our O oh brothers first this week, I think. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother, woo! Brother. Do you want to go first or second, bud? Um, I'll go second this week, sir. What was yours? Okay, we'll, uh, we'll start with the woos. Um, a woo for me 
was actually part of Hulk Hogan wrestling because during this match where he gave Sting effectively nothing and it was very punchy, kicky, punchy, kicky, Hogan used a, a drop toe hold. He used a couple of hammer locks and so on. And it was almost, it was so out of place and so random. But at the same time, I quite enjoyed seeing Ho- that side of Hogan. So that was a nice little surprise for me. What was your way? Definitely uh, Ric Flair being replaced by Brian Pillman. Uh, to ha- Even though the match was um, short, it was still nice to see Eddie Grow and Brian Pillman in the same ring. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. what's your um, old brother? Uh, it involves the big orange racist again, my friend. Um, it involves Mr. Hogan. And whereas I just gave him a compliment for using very minimal wrestling, but still impressing me because he doesn't normally even do that. The O brother is the fact that in the very same match, he's just no selling everything. And he, he no sells one of the biggest stars in the company. He no sells his finisher, not once, but twice. And that is terrible. Yourself? Yep. Um, and on a similar point, it's definitely towards that uh, main event being given away on free television. Um, I kind of still not sure why they would do that. I mean, on a go home show as well, it's quite weird. I suppose uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate now because I, I, I do agree with you. You know, and WCW do have a history of doing this, as we'll find out throughout the years. Big matches that you think, oh, that would, that would coin it in on the pay per view. They give you for nothing which I suppose is great as a fan, but from a business standpoint, you do sort of scratch your head and go, why have they done that? Here, they they only go 10 minutes. So it's not like a big, you know, 25-minute long pay-per-view main event or whatever. There isn't a clear finish. It is a bit of a schmozzy end to the match. And then everyone's pointing at World War Three, World War Three. So to me, they got two massive stars. They're getting them on their television, hoping to attract eyes to the product with the promise of Hogan versus Sting for the first time, which worked because the ratings went up from yeah. last week. And then those new eyes on the product, they're then turning around and going, oh, by the way, this Sunday, pay your $20, $30, $40, whatever it is, and watch this first time ever 60-man battle royal, three rings. You said nothing like it ever in your life, blah, 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 blah. The world title is on the line and all this. I can understand it from that viewpoint. It's kind of like trying to, I suppose it's kind of like a movie trailer when you go to the cinema. You're not going to watch the trailers, but they've got you in there for the movie. So whilst they're there, they're going to advertise something else. That's the kind of makeup in my mind. I think they would do that. No, I completely understand now. So thank you for that. No, no, don't worry. It's just just my thoughts. It could be completely wrong. (laughs) But that's kind of what I I think might be their, their train of thought with regards to giving away this big three contest to try and get more eyes on the products to advertise the pay-per-view. But I am with you. I think there are ways of doing that without giving away a massive match for nothing. So, yeah, there we go. I mean, it's kind of, would you say it's the equivalent of, um, uh, before WrestleMania 19, they had Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle uh, advertised for about three weeks and every week they kept getting a screwy finish until they led up to the main event, which was Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle. Um, it's kind of like uh, attracting viewers to tune in, but then kind of just making them wait even longer for the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the WWF, what they did there, I think was m- much better storytelling. There was a lot more thought in that because it ran for a few weeks and you kind of knew that it was going to be a bit screwy, but you wanted to tune in anyway just to make sure 
because you don't want to you don't want to miss it in case it wasn't screwy and you got the match that everyone was looking forward to. And then eventually you bought into all the hype over those few weeks, which made you want to watch the match at WrestleMania. So I, I get the similarities. I get I get the comparison. You're spot on, Danny. But I think the WWF did it with a little bit more in mind. WCW literally threw this match together. I mean, where they are as well, the arena they're in and, and, and the area of the country they're in and so on. It's not like a massive wrestling hotbed that would... It's not like they're going to Madison Square Garden or they're going to, um, I don't know, North Carolina, which WCW was you know hugely popular in, or Jacksonville, where they ran a couple of weeks back. So it's obvious that no thought has gone into this because they're not promoting this match in one of their really hotbeds of, of their ticket-selling areas, you know? So it is, to me, this was literally thrown together in seven days. We'll see when we look at World War Three next week the buy rates and so on like we always discuss we'll see if it worked i guess my friend okay so overall danny overall hit miss or middling what are we giving this one i'm going with a rare middling of this one because um the main thing was nothing was built up for the pay-per-view the matches were short it was for um the only reason it's not a miss is because of the main event being delivered but um i th- feel like every match was cut short to save time for the Hulk Hogan um, and Sting match. So, yeah, and then at the end, we didn't get any uh, um, matches built up for the pay-per-view. But, um, yeah, that's our middle one for me. How about you, Si? Yeah, I've got the same written in front of me here, my friend. I've got middle as well. It wasn't... uh, We we haven't... This was not crap because we know crap. We have seen crap, okay? (laughs) So this was not crap, but it was also... Not great. There was enough on the show. Ultimately, the show was like, like I said, 40 minutes, 45 minutes long. I can't really tell you anything that happened. Obviously, we just sat down and discussed it, but I can't tell you what what happened that would fill a 45-minute show. There's a couple of matches, and none of the matches, as we're talking, seemed to go very long. But yet, they were still on air for 45 minutes. I don't... That puzzles me a bit. But yeah, I mean, there's enough there for me to go, okay, that was all right but not enough there for me to go, wow, that was great. So a, a middle is a great shape, I think, Danny. Okay, then, my friend. On that note, I suppose, in preparation for World War Three coming next week, what are your thoughts going into this pay-per-view? The first time you would have seen a World War Three match, what are, your, what are your thoughts going in that we can sort of maybe touch back upon after we've seen the event? Um, definitely excitement um, because uh, now I've never seen, never watched a full World Wars free match ever, so I'm excited the concept of free rings. Um, there was a rumor that WWE was going to steal this idea, but they en- they didn't end up doing it. But um, I think bigger is better because WWE would do matches like the triple cage match and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see um, how this plays out. To be honest with you, I've heard rare next to nothing about it um so yeah i mean i wish i could say f- the same for the other matches but we don't know the other matches <laughs> oh, there um, we how go. about you sir we, we might get a really surprising brilliant undercard i'll be perfectly honest with you i don't remember i don't remember what is on this card aside from the the 60-man battle royal so i'm gonna be as surprised as you when we watch it back i'm looking forward to it but then i always do because i get to almost re-watch these things through your eyes someone who has not seen these events before um, you say you've heard nothing about it very very slim amounts of information don't say if you do 
Just give us a yes or no. Do you know who wins? No. No. Okay, brilliant. Go on then. One name. Give us a prediction. The Yeti. <laughs> you dickhead. <laughs> oh, on that note, no. then, Danny. <laughs> no, on a serious note, I'm going just how the the naturals have been structured. I'm going to guess the shark. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, no. Actually, no, Shut I have no idea. Working. No idea. No. Oh, that's interesting. Because sometimes some of the like, Royal Rumbles and some of these things are better if you've got no idea. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be really, really fascinating looking back on this event. But that's next week. This week it is time for us to depart. Danny, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you and all the shows you are involved in, please? Yeah, thank you, sir. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One's Man, One Man's Meet with Chris Bellis. And you can hear me on A Change in Attitude with Tanner, Ori and Mags. And you can hear me next week here where we'll be discussing World War Three, won't we, sir? Yes, we will. Hopefully it's... Well, I was going to say, hopefully it's the best pay-per-view we've seen so far. But to be fair, the competition isn't particularly high, is it? The bar isn't set very high with the previous two. So, yeah, there we go. You can find me on Twitter at SJP Words. You can also track me down on Facebook. There's a little group there, SJP, all the shows and info. So get involved there as well. You need both of those, either or one, to get links to all the shows I'm involved in, whether that's some science fiction, time-traveling escapades with... Benny Mac on the Waiting Room podcast looking at Quantum Leap, or whether that's with our good friend Mr. Dan Griffin looking at Doctor Who with the Doctor Who pod. And also a little bit more wrestling and some other silly nonsense that we ramble on about with Mr. Mags on Chain Wrestling on a Monday night, the live via Radio Tuckers on YouTube and Twitch. And the podcast version comes out later in the week if that is your preference. Again, at SJP Words on Twitter and SJP All the Shows and Info on Facebook. But most importantly, you can follow this show on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. That's at Nitro underscore Nights. Get in touch. Let us know what you think. It's always awesome hearing the feedback from all you out there listening and watching along. And yeah, hopefully we'll have some positive things to discuss from World War Three next week. Danny, it's been a blast again, my friend. Thank you very much. And to everybody else, as always, thank you for listening. Hello once again and welcome to another edition of Nitro Nights with Cy and Scottish Danny looking back on WCW one show at a time, taking it all in from Raw as oh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs>